0: TL Talk Radio, Season 5, Episode 7. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 7 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funihatton and Randy Ziganfoos, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Zickenfoos
1: And I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. So today we have a repeat guest, uh, Larry Altman. And you may recall that we've had an ongoing, engaging conversation with Larry um, a couple of episodes earlier this year about legal compliance in Title IX on Episode 29 in Season 4 and also Episode 41. And that episode dealt with uh, schools' potential obligations to students' And the experience of the bystander effect. So Larry currently works as a consultant for schools, helping them develop legally compliant policies, protocols, and procedures for Title IX, anti-bullying, suicide prevention, Section 504s, and the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. He's also a distinguished member of the American Law Society.
0: So welcome back to TL Talk Radio, Larry.
2: It's always an honor and privilege to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And we were saying, I think you're you're near the top for having been on the show the most. So uh, I appreciate appreci- that. It's an honor. We appreciate your time. <laughs> so we're talking about bullying today. Give us a personal story about why uh, you got so connected to this idea of bullying and the law.
2: Well, it really goes back back to the, my days at Kansas City, Missouri Public School District when I became uh, the Title Nine coordinator as we were looking over those materials, uh, it was very closely connected to bullying, specifically the bullying addressed towards disabled students. So the, the team that we were, I was working with along with our superintendent, Dr. Green, decided why don't we expand this, my work into the area of bullying prevention, not just for disabled students, but all students. So we were doing the development of policies, protocols and procedures for Title IX and we adapted those with some modifications on the bullying side.
1: So you mentioned bullying, and I think it's important for us to move on to a working definition of bullying in the context of this conversation. So um, for our context, what is bullying and and why is it more important than ever for school districts to talk about bullying in their schools?
2: Well, I'm going to borrow from the Missouri statute, which borrowed it from some national organizations. I didn't create the definition, but they define bullying as intimidation or one unwanted aggressive behaviors that is repetitive or substantially likely to be repeated and causes what they call a reasonable student to fear for the his or her physical safety or property. In addition, the concern is that if it has to substantially interfere with the edu- educational performances of the individual um, or disrupts the orderly uh, the, 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 the general school population. It just doesn't it disrupts the school population. That's the working definition that Mm -hmm. is commonly used around the country. Now, you refine that further down the road that when you're dealing with a disabled student, uh, what they say is that if you are directing the bullying at the child's disability, uh, then uh, it may not have the intimidation factor, but it's still considered bullying. So an example would be you have a blind student and you, like, you think it's fun to throw a log in front of the blind student so that he or she will trip over it. By definition, that's bullying because you're getting great fun and pleasure at, at the expense of the child's inability to see. So it's a little more broad than that, and it requires a case-by-case review uh, with the caveat at times that you sometimes have to look through the eyes of the, the victim. Mm-hmm how does that person perceive something?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: because how you and I might perceive something could be different than how a 10 year old child who has let's say ADHD would look at something.
1: Hmm, so that's an interesting perspective um, because one of the challenges could be that some students may be more sensitive to bullying.
2: There's no doubt. And again, I this is not an original concept that Larry Altman developed. When we were reviewing the Title IX materials published that are now all withdrawn, by the way, that were published in 2014. There's a specific paragraph put in by them. The Department of Education and the Department of Justice said that when you are reviewing Title IX situations, look through the eyes of the victim. And they didn't give us much help on that. But we carried that concept through to the bullying uh, features. As you said, the sensitivity situation became a factor. Now we still had to use what I call some common sense to rule out certain things, but uh, it was certainly a factor that I would, that my teams and I and my grad students, we talk about taking into account as we assess these situations.
0: It sounds like we're approaching bullying really from a learner-centered perspective. That we're looking at it through, we're at least with that common sense that you mentioned, looking at it through the perspective of the of the victim.
1: Yeah,
2: and, and, and that has been misinterpreted to some extent because they believe that means you always believe what the victim says, and the answer to that is absolutely not. Mm-hmm. It is one of many factors when you review even the federal directives that were in existence and even the current small amount of Title IX directive we're getting now from the Department of Justice and the Department of Education talk about in Title IX a fair and impartial review. Looking through the eyes of the, of the alleged victim is one of many factors to consider, it is not the only factor mm-hmm. to consider, mm-hmm. and but it does. I mean, it, I mean, admittedly, I'm closer to 68 than I am 67. Uh, I have to I, I don't have a clue uh, unless I do unless I bring myself down to a 12 year old young person. How does that person feel in fourth grade or if that's what fourth graders are, or fifth grade? Not how Larry Alton would feel today. So it's a really good suggestion for any administrator who is assessing these to say, don't look at how I would take this today. How does that child feel in his or her environment when this takes place?
0: So it requires a bit of empathy.
2: Absolutely. And it's something that sometimes we forget. And and that's and again, but understand there are two parties. You also have to have some concept on the side of the alleged perpetrator uh, because he, he or she is also involved. And did they misunderstand something? Is it because of their age or lack of experience that they didn't quite get that, for example, in my bad example of throwing a log in front of the of the of the seeing impaired child, that seems like great fun, and everybody laughs. But maybe that fourth grader didn't understand the real danger of that. Does that mean that the child didn't bully the other child? Um, no. But you again, when you look at the learning environment, it's, it's also a teaching moment. And in fact, when you go back to some of the federal writings on bullying, they tell you it's a teaching moment for both sides.
0: So as we're investigating, having that empathy for both sides, uh, and you also shared some other suggestions uh, for school administrators as they're investigating bullying incidents. So what are some of the big ideas that you could share with our listeners about investigating bullying?
2: Well, let's step back from the beginning. You first have to develop policy protocols and procedures that you're going to follow every time a report is made to you so that you're not making this up as you go along. So if you've got those in place, follow them. The starting point has to be the two parties involved, an interview of those people, and and, and, and informing the parents that we have a situation here without being accusatory in the sense of, you don't want to go to the parents of the alleged perpetrators and say, your child did this. No, your child, we have some concern because there's a report that your child might have been involved in something. Regarding the other side, the alleged victim, I would think the school's first step is, before they start the interview process, is let the parent know because administrators, the call I think probably they don't like to hear is from the parents, my child was beat up today and you didn't tell me about it? So step one is get the information out to the parents and start the interview process of the two parties involved right away. That's your first step. After you get that information, you then, that should lead your investigation, may lead your investigation to other people that may or may not have witnessed what took place. And if it's someplace that might have a camera and it's a physical event, so that you have video, you go look at the video. And then you just move forward. After you've reviewed what you have, what I then Talk about is when it's all finished, you've you've interviewed the two people with their parents present if they want to be present, you've reviewed the physical evidence, you've reviewed any 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 other talk to other witnesses. To me, the last step is to go back to the original two parties and say, not accusatory, but say, how do you respond to this explanation? You then gather that, and now you make your report and your determination.
1: Mm-hmm. So you shared the example of of you know throwing the log is it bullying if you throw the log once is it you also talked a little bit about ongoing can you clarify some of those ideas
2: well ongoing would be that let's take the situation where every day uh the bigger child goes to the younger child and says give me your lunch money this wasn't just a one-time borrowing incident this was happening every day to the point where the first thing the younger child does is he or she is so afraid that he knows the big guy is going to ask for money that he or she has the money hand out before the child gets very far in the door because of the fear factor. That's bullying. The other thing that you look at is uh, is it a situation where uh, a group of students is always isolating another student because they've got their bald like I am, okay? and so they don't want bald people around so they mm-hmm. isolate the child and the child feels put upon that could be a means of bullying if you meet other factors especially now where the child is fearful of coming to school they're afraid of this group because the implied threat that they're being out outed by everybody else so those are repetitive incidences maybe once they wouldn't let me in the group but if it continues on i might say you have to investigate a bullying allegation
1: mm-hmm. So what about if we have middle school kids and sometimes they just don't like another kid. They're not excluding the kid because he's bald or, you know, has glasses or, you know, something, some relative um, middle school criteria. But, you know, maybe the kid is is a little awkward or has some different tendencies or, you know, interrupts kids or has social skills that other kids don't appreciate. Whatever might be um, a behavior or um an attitude that kids just maybe don't want to play with that child what how do we respond to that because it gets messy
2: i would suggest that's not bullying but i would then suggest if you have a child that's socially awkward doesn't know how to properly interact that i might want to step back and assess the child to determine whether or not the child might have a section 504 disability on the basis of some social deficiency Mm -hmm. that requires the school to to teach social skills even if that doesn't meet that total criteria, you do have response to intervention tools, the same type of thing that perhaps I have to teach that child that it is not proper to interrupt. You're not going to be popular if you always, quote, butt into conversations, et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: those are social skill teachings that you may have to work with. And that comes, again, with that full investigation. Yes, I'm looking through the eyes of that alleged uh, victim. <clears throat> But if the evidence is what you've just said, I don't have a bullying situation, but let's flip over here to the other side, that I do have a child that may have some needs, Mm -hmm. that I may have to account for to help that child become socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. In fact, Section 504 talks about that a little bit, but I don't want to get to the point where everybody's 504 because of personality quirks, but it is a teaching moment.
1: Sure, yeah, appreciate that insight. So why is it important for school districts to have a bullying policy? And what are some of the key components you might see in a bull- bullying policy?
2: Well, in Missouri, it's because it's the law. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, have a, we have a mandatory statute. In it's this, here
0: that, in Pennsylvania here too, yeah.
2: It, that was expanded in 2016 that said, you will do this or else. Uh, and I sat on the tax, for, I, in fact, I chaired the task force that created the model policy. So, by legal components, I would, and I did some research. I want to say thirty-nine states now have bullying policies. But let's put that aside for a second. What, what, and, and you can read court cases. You can read read psychological reviews. We, if students feel victimized as being bullied, then it impedes their ability to be get to become educated. And so, it also is disruptive to the overall school environment. And the school environment, in my opinion, is one that where we should have a nurturing secure place for children to learn. And if children don't feel that security uh, and a safe in place where they can go and learn and be themselves, if you will, then we inhibit their ability to be educated. So that's step one. That we've, that's, to me, the, the overriding reason why we have to check on bullying in our schools. Now, let's keep in mind, and the Supreme Court has said this, kids are kids. If there's bullying going on in the school, that in and of itself does not mean the school somehow violates the law what violates the law is ignoring the problems and not dealing with it so what is the main thing that i tell administrator i suggest to, to administrators and to my grad students who are becoming administrators don't ignore when when it comes through your door the potential that there might be a problem number two don't work wait for the magic word of bullying to appear that's not anything close to the requirement if you think even remote, that there is the possibility that something has occurred, go check it out. So let's go back to my days at Kansas City Public Schools. when we were getting, when I was in charge of receiving sexual harassment claims, which were a form of bullying, we had a three-person team. And, and I admit we had 16,000 students and a lot of staff, so we could do this. But we developed a triage methodology in which the report would hit my desk first, and I would share it with two people the assistant superintendent of student affairs and the principal of the building where the report was created. Our rule was in our assessment is if any one of the three of us thought it required a full investigation, we investigated. The only way we would not go further is if all three of us said, you know, this really doesn't meet that. And we would send that back to the principal and say, take care of it. There would be one exception. If the parents called the school or the superintendent or my office and were upset, was upset, we would investigate. And so that's the dynamics. When I talk to my grad students or when I go around the country, set up, you have policy protocols and procedures included in that system. Is how am I going to receive a report? And when I get it, what am I going to do with it? And the Missouri statute is very precise about that. It says within forty-eight hours of the principal being informed of a, an alleged action the process must start and it must be completed within 10 school days so go back to your state law but even if it doesn't exist do what we did at kansas city because we were doing this before the statute changed get it done
0: so lots of good advice uh When we're either creating a policy or investigating uh, such incidents of bullying, Uh, lots of good legal advice. So before we actually wrap this up with our last question to find out what's on uh, your radar for the future, uh, this season we've been asking our guests a series of questions. So um, we want to see what your thoughts are on some of these things. So really rapid fire, short answer kinds of things. So you ready?
1: I'm ready. Go. Okay. He is ready.
0: All right. So... Who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about these ideas around bullying in schools?
2: I'm biased. It's me. You can always communicate with me. <laughs> but there is a national organization on the internet. There are all sorts of organizations that you can review that will give you tips and points to go to. Use the internet.
0: Okay. Use the internet. Nice and broad. Larry and <laughs> then the internet. <laughs>
1: Larry, first. Well, it doesn't need to be first, but. <laughs> Larry, I'm in conjunction I'm, with.
0: I'm around. Let's put
2: it to you that way.
0: Okay. Uh, if you were recommending a book to our listeners, what would it be?
2: You know, I haven't read that many books. I go online more than anything else. Uh, the reality of it is, is that, again, the Department of Education has a, a many publications that discuss this and has helpful hints. I would go onto their webpage. Again, I hate to keep doing that to people and look at those summaries that are out there. Uh, they are most helpful. It is a – when I talk to my grad students, it is their starting point. Go and look at what the agencies – uh, the federal agencies have published and inside your own state, you might find something.
0: All right. And for our last question, so how do you keep up to date on this topic? How do you keep learning? Who do well, you access?
2: I access a group called Special Ed Connection, uh, which is a publication from LRP. And I read it at least once a day, sometimes twice a day, because the stories change. What that publication does, and I don't work for them, it's just my primary tool. What that work does is they do nationwide research of every case, every state hearing officer determination, every federal agency publication that deals with anything in the school area. And they also have editors that write very good articles of topics. And one of the topics that they have discussed periodically is bullying. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And I'm able to stay on top of things because every day and sometimes twice a day, I will find a case that's three days old or a publication someplace that's five days old. And without that, I couldn't stay up to date.
0: All right. So we'll put that in the show notes for our listeners to, uh, to connect with and yeah. to learn a little bit more
1: sounds like a great resource.
0: It's an I can't do without
1: it. Yeah. I absolutely cannot. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Larry, to share your perspective on uh, bullying and some additional resources we can um, investigate and, and learn more from. For our listeners to learn more about Larry's work, you can certainly connect with Larry on Twitter or LinkedIn as linked in the show notes and check out some of the articles that ri- Larry has written. And uh, we added a link there from LRP, the Special Education Connection.
0: Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's questions, how will you effectively develop the policies, protocols, and procedures for effectively addressing bullying in your school? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 5, Episode 7. That's all for now. We'll be back soon with another conversation featuring another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Larry.
1: Thanks, Larry. My pleasure.